0: Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. We uh, begin a new series this morning called The Coming that'll take us up to Christmas. And uh, speaking of Christmas, let me uh, commend to you this book, a book called uh, Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller our book of the month. And uh, like all of Keller's books, if you've read anything by Tim Keller, you'll know that it's likely to be sound and clear and engaging and uh, actually quite an easy read but with considerable depth. And uh, so that's available in our bookshop this morning, an ideal Christmas present perhaps, but um, uh, I've read it. It's, It's a wonderful little book. Be encouraged to grab that. A few years ago, a a new phrase entered our vocabulary. The phrase was fake news. We're all familiar with that phrase. And the problem with fake news is that it can reduce the impact of real news by competing with it. And uh, a BuzzFeed analysis found that the top fake news stories, I found this interesting, the top fake news stories about the US presidential election received more engagement on Facebook than the top stories from major, reputable news outlets. Now, having said that, I read that fact on Wikipedia. (laughs) May not be true. Who knows? No one knows. Because as a result of social media and platforms like Wikipedia, it can be very difficult to distinguish the real from the fake. But what I want to say this morning is that the coming of Jesus into the world is indisputably real news and not fake news. In fact, ancient historian John Dixon, who will be known to some of you, uh, famously issued the global challenge that if any reputable historian around the world would come out and publicly say that the historical Jesus of Nazareth never really lived, then John would eat a page out of his Bible. He issued that challenge. Well, plenty of people have come forward uh, to make that claim, various scientists, actually some quite well-renowned people, scientists, philosophers, professors, but no historians, not a single one, not one single historian has been prepared to come out and say, no, actually that man Jesus never actually lived. And John knows he's on safe ground because the evidence is so overwhelming. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He lived, he taught, he had remarkable influence over um many, many people over a just a short three-year period and then he was sentenced to death and he was crucified on the cross. It's indisputable that, that, that those things happened. Now, there's also very strong evidence, again, very strong indisputable evidence that there were significant numbers of people who were convinced at that time that he returned from the grave. Indisputable evidence. And there's a book that, uh, as you can see, that John Dixon's written. Again, it's available. Sounds like I'm just doing a big plug for our bookshop. Uh, well, I am, shamelessly, but I also uh, recognise there are some great resources around the place. This is another one. Is Jesus History? Thoroughly recommend it. Again, it's just a fairly easy, straightforward read, but uh, it's rich and it's interesting and it will help you in your faith. All right, our text today is Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. And uh, so let me read them for you, a very familiar story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people in bold text because that's our key focus for this morning. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, this morning I'm going to highlight just three points from that verse 10, that key verse out of that text. And the first of those is that the coming of Jesus is good news. Uh, sometimes, I reckon, when we read an account like this, our familiarity with the story detracts from its impact. As what happens is as soon as we hear it, uh, we know it, it's very familiar, and it immediately conjures up in our minds, certainly in my mind, images of the pictures that we see on Christmas cards that we've seen every year for the whole of our lives. The manger scene, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, the star, uh, Carefully positioned animals, all standing in formation, uh, looking in at the baby in the manger. It's nice. It's like a nice little story. It's like a fairy tale. The Christmas card scene is—it's uh, kind of so surreal that it—we—we—we we, we can actually, in our minds, even end up thinking of it as like a fairy tale, like fake news. So we need to be reminded to read this account not as a fairy tale, but as a news report, as real news. It's not fake news, it's real news. It's something that actually happened. And uh, in his book, Hidden Christmas, Keller makes the point that the, uh, the gospel is good news, not good advice. He makes the point, I think it's a wonderful point, that you know, advice is counsel about what you should do, news is a report about what has already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognise that something has happened and to respond to it. The good news that the angels bring to the shepherds is that at that first Christmas, something has happened. Something has been done and it's something that changes everything. They bring an announcement. It's breaking news, if you like. Don't. The news is you don't save yourself. You can't save yourself. But God, God himself has come to earth in Jesus in order to save you. Remember um, a few years ago driving past a church uh, and it had a big sign at the front with the name of the church and under the name of the church there was a big sign that said making life better and uh, I don't want to be critical of other churches but you know this one really troubled me it was maybe I was reading too much into it but it seemed to me almost as if it was saying you know life's pretty good but if you add a little bit of God if you add a little bit of religion if you add a little bit of church then your life can be even better But see, the Christian faith is not primarily about self-improvement or even about life improvement. It's not just a place to get some inspiration and some guidance for life. The gospel is, first of all, a message that you need to be saved and that apart from God's direct intervention into your life, actually you're in a desperately hopeless situation This is the good news. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You can only be saved by what God has done. And Keller goes on to explain that the Christian faith, it's not about adopting an ethic or turning over a new leaf or even about joining a community, though those things might all be important. No, you begin your journey of the Christian faith by believing the report of what has happened in history. That's where you begin. The really good news Of the coming of Jesus. So that's the first point I'd make out of this passage. The coming of Jesus brings good news. The coming of Jesus also brings great joy. Uh, For most of us, I suspect that the Christmas season involves a gathering or two of uh, friends or family or work colleagues. And uh, Margie and I often host some of these Christmas gatherings in our home. And uh, let me tell you, they are always, without exception, joy filled times. There's festive music, there's lots of fun and laughter, there's always plenty of food and drink and uh, the most recent of uh, these occasions for us was on Thursday just gone and I've got a a picture here from that occasion. These are the pastors of the city of Melville gathered at our home with their spouses and uh, these are pastors uh, from various denominations here in our city of Melville. And uh, this group, this is just such a fantastic group, you know, such an encouragement to me they are. And this group of pastors, there's, there are more, there's some who weren't able to be there this evening. But this group prays fervently every Thursday morning for the flourishing of the church in the area. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Recognizing there's one church in the city of Melville, in our local government area, there's one church, uh, there are many different congregations, many different expressions. But we are one. We are one. And this group, let me tell you, we are one. There's a wonderful unity and a wonderful sense of joy that we share together. And so that was a lovely evening that we had together. And uh, as I say, lots of joy, lots of laughter. Uh, The joy fades quickly, I can tell you, uh, when everyone leaves and you've got to clean up and do the dishes. (laughs) And so uh, there was a fading joy. Uh, How many of you know that there are times when there's great joy at people's departure. You know, those times when you think, don't pretend that you don't ever feel that. You know, those times when you think, oh, thank goodness they're all leaving because uh, we're just ready for bed. You know, it's time to go to bed and people are hanging around a bit too long. Uh, That can happen. My point is, there's a certain kind of joy that comes and goes with the changing circumstances of life. So, you know, there are times when things are going pretty well and there's lots of joy and happiness in my life. Other times things are not going so well. But circumstances change and I might think, wow, I'm not feeling quite so joyful at the moment. There's no joy. Uh, that's the kind of joy that we'd say, well, that's just a, that's a feeling. It's just a, like a, a fickle thing that comes and goes. But the coming of Jesus into our lives is good news of great joy. And let me assure you, it's a different kind of joy. Peter describes it in his first letter in this way, 1 Peter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Isn't that wonderful? Why? For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is the key actually to joy and understanding of where that joy comes from and why you have joy. It's nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. It's an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is joy. That's where joy comes from, an inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy unspeakable, another translation says. It's a joy that's unaffected by circumstances. It's a joy untouched by tragedy. It's a joy that's not quenched by the busyness of life, as some of us perhaps experience, especially at this time of the year. It's a joy that's deep-rooted, it satisfies, it lasts, and it keeps on increasing to the glory of God. It's a joy experienced also only by those who acknowledge the coming of Jesus and who receive him into their lives. And it's a deep and rich joy. Sue last week uh, spoke about the experience of John Wesley, who remember has uh, had that experience. He said the way he described it, he says, "My heart was strangely warmed." That is joy, the joy of the Lord, and this joy is a joy that's also the fruit of the Spirit. Um, If you look at a tree like this in this next picture, uh, isn't that wonderful? You can like you can see the fruit. And you can go to that tree and you can pick the fruit and you can be nourished and blessed by that fruit. And I'd suggest that in the same way, if you've received the joy of of the coming of Jesus into your life, your life should be bearing the fruit of that joy. It should be evident in your life, it should be visible in your life, and it should be available. To others around you to pick in order that they might also be nourished and blessed by the joy in your life. Is that true for you? Do you experience that? Well, the coming of Jesus brings joy. And finally, the coming of Jesus is for all the people. The good news about Jesus is announced by the angel as being news that's for all the people. He comes to all. And that's a wonderful thing, really. It means that he comes to the plain and the ordinary. He comes to anyone with a heart humble enough to receive him and to accept his offer of salvation. And and what that means is that whoever you are, whatever you do, whatever you have done, you can have Jesus in your life. It means that you can be dysfunctional, you can be sinful, you can be broken, you can have a shady past, you can have a terrible reputation, you can be part of a despised, marginalised group. Interestingly, uh, the shepherds probably fit all of those descriptions. And yet God chose them to be the first recipients of news that would have global impact for millennia, continues to have impact today. And so there's only one qualification, one requirement for salvation, and that's nothing to do with achievement. That requirement is simply faith, that you hear the good news of Jesus coming and that you believe the news, that you respond to the news with faith in your heart and thereby enter into a relationship with the living God. Mark McCrindle is a, um, a leading Australian social researcher and uh, we recently hosted a McCrindle event here in our front function room for around about 100 pastors from around the city. A uh, wonderful event. The focus of the event was research on um, where the the church in Australia is is currently at, particularly in relation to this pandemic? Where are we up to? What's, what's going on in the church around Australia? Was, I think one of the reasons why it was a well-attended event, people were interested to hear what is the research, what, it's show, what is it showing us? Uh, well here's one of the screens, lots of fascinating information, I'll just show you one of the screens. Uh, Australians have become disillusioned with the church but they are spiritually hungry perhaps more spiritually hungry than they've been for a long time, which creates an opportunity, doesn't it? This pandemic has shaken the earth. It's caused people to rethink what life is all about. And we might ask the question, well, why are people disillusioned with the church? And I'd suggest it's because too often the church doesn't present Jesus. It presents religion. In my experience, most Australians have got, they're fine with Jesus, actually. They they think very highly of Jesus. But religion demands that people become respectable before they can be acceptable. Religion forces conformation. Jesus brings transformation. Religion offers a self-help program Jesus comes with good news of great joy for all the people. It's a big difference. So as we close, let me draw your attention to the joy candle out the front here. And I know in my own Christian walk with God, there are times when that joy of the Lord just seems to just fade or disappear in my heart. And uh, sometimes that's related to sin that creeps into my life. Sometimes it's busyness. Sometimes it's distraction. Sometimes it's just that life is difficult, or that uh, some of the key relationships in my life are just not in a great place. But you know, all sorts of things can rob you of the joy in your life. And uh, when that happens, it's like something's gone. So I wonder where you're at this morning, whether you have a sense of joy in your life. Because there's a, there's a great psalm, Psalm 51, many of you would be familiar with it, the Psalm of David, where there was sin in his life, there was trouble, he was surrounded by trouble. And uh, one of his prayers in Psalm 51 is, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. There's a, there's a trick, isn't it? to that? <laughs> we'll get a different one next week. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, you can't conjure that up, that kind of joy. You can conjure up a feeling. You can conjure up a feeling of joy through festive occasions, through lots of food and lots of drink and surrounding yourself with friends and good, and people, nothing wrong with any of that. That's not the joy that sustains. There's a different joy that God brings in answer to a prayer that says, would you restore unto me, God, the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. Help me, in other words, to cooperate with the work of your spirit. So as we close, I'm going to pray specifically for those of you who would say, I feel like, my spiritual flame of joy has gone out or is pretty low. <laughs> and let's uh, ask the Lord to reignite the flame and to restore to us the joy of his salvation. So, if that's you, I'm just going to bow my head. And if that's you, I just invite you to raise a hand. I'm not even looking, but raise a hand and uh, but raise a hand to the Lord as a way of your indication to the Lord that you want to pray this prayer. So, Lord, together we would just come before you this morning. And uh, for many of us would recognise that there's just uh, something of the joy of the Lord that has uh, somehow faded in our lives, that that, uh, that candle of the spiritual flame of joy has either gone out or it's uh, it's it's pretty low. And so Lord, we would ask you this morning if you would ignite that flame, reignite the flame. And we would join with David in Psalm 51 in praying that prayer, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Please, Lord, please help me. Please restore to me that joy and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.